Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. From the Financial Times, this is Hard Currency. It was Groundhog Day at the European Central Bank, which on Thursday published an identical policy statement to the one it issued in July. It kept its rates on hold and said it hadn't even discussed the idea of extending monetary easing. Now, in a world of low volatility, low growth, low inflation, and a Federal Reserve unwilling or unable to move on rates, is time standing still for the FX market as a whole? I'm Roger Blitz, and welcome to Hard Currency, the Financial Times weekly podcast on the foreign exchange market. And also on Hard Currency, we'll be discussing how willing the market is to entertain the idea that Brexit may not have been such an apocalyptic outcome for the UK, and whether investors will start Start buying the pound again. So with me in the studio to discuss these things is Jane Foley at Rubberbank. Jane, welcome. Uh, is Mario Draghi in control of ECB policy or is he at the mercy of Fed policy? Well, Mario Draghi in the, in the latest press conference made the point that the transmission mechanism of monetary policy from the ECB has never been better. Now, he clearly was talking about uh, aspects perhaps of, of the banking system, of the real economy, because as a foreign exchange strategist, I would have to perhaps argue with that point, because certainly, despite being very, very dovish this year, Draghi hasn't been able to weaken the euro. And uh, traditionally, of course, uh, a currency, its currency value is an important part of the transmission mechanism of monetary policy. If we look at the value of, of euro dollar now relative to the start of the year, well, the euro is around about 3%, perhaps more now, uh, higher against the US dollar, despite all the policy uh, initiatives announced this year by the ECB. So I would say the ECB is, to some extent, at the mercy of the Fed. The reason why uh, the ECB cannot weaken the value of the euro is plain and simple because the value of uh, the dollar has been weakening and that is a function of the market pushing back expectations of Federal Reserve rate hikes. The euro was, what what was it, a few years ago, 140, wasn't it? And Indeed. It's, and it's now at that kind of level whereby whether, whether Draghi can push it lower, he's still got it much, much lower than it was a few years ago. So... Does the ECB need to worry about it? Or are we talking about incremental shifts in the euro to, to worry the ECB? Relative to some of the movements that we've seen in recent years, well, the, the movements in euro dollar this year have been relatively incremental. I mean, we only need to go back to 2014. Now, this is a very interesting period, and I think it very much sets the tone, really, for uh, US Treasury dollar policy right now, because in 2014, we had an extremely rapid uh, increase in the value of the US dollar, extended from the middle of that year into early 2015. Now that, if you like, handed a number of other central banks, including the ECB, including the Bank of Japan, uh, a nice bout of monetary easing for them because as the dollar rose in value, well, uh, then it transmitted uh, an easing policy, an easing bias into, into Europe and into Japan by virtue of the currency falls that, that, that were seen there. The US Treasury does not want to repeat that. The US Treasury, I think, was under pressure from corporates about the dollar strength. 
And that is something that in an environment where US inflation is not particularly strong, they don't want to see. So a strong dollar is is off the agenda. We might see a little bit of a dollar strength if the Fed hikes in December, but I don't think we're going to see that degree of policy movements over the next couple I've of years. I've always thought uh, it's not so much Groundhog Day as Groundhog Year. We are moving towards a December rate hike, just as we move so slowly but surely to a December rate hike in 2015. And I would agree. If we go back to the, the, the start of last year, 2015, then the market was anticipating that the first Fed hike would be June of last year, and then there would be a, a, a series of other hikes after that. In the event, as you said, it was December before they hiked, and really the market has spent all of last year and all of this year pushing back expectations of US inflation and US policy I tightening. Mean, whether we get a December hike or not, it's simply not going to push the dollar that much higher. No, is this it? is right, because the market is not anticipating that the pace of Fed hikes is going to accelerate that much. Maybe one hike next year, some people thinking maybe none at all. So in that um, scenario, yes, you might get a little bit of a stronger dollar if there is a Fed rate hike in December, but if the market's thinking, well, perhaps they're not going to do anything now until December 18, if that, then the dollar is not going to get any degree of upside traction. And again, that makes it much more difficult for the Bank of Japan, the ECB, the Australian and New Zealand central banks, etc., to push out weaker monetary policy conditions via their exchange rates. So the purpose of, of weaker monetary policy, is it simply to kick the can down the road well, I mean, the purpose obviously is to try and increase inflation. For, for the central banks I've mentioned, they will have, of course, uh, inflation targeting in their mandates. But clearly, this isn't helping. Now, to have a weaker currency would help. But when everybody's got weak inflation, then you get into the, the jurisdiction of currency wars. And, and clearly, that's a zero-sum game. And hence, you get back to, I think, the, the, a new game, which perhaps ECB is, is, is concentrating on this year, is to try and improve the transmission of monetary policy through to the real economy. Right. I think this probably explains some of the actions that they've taken this year uh, to try and increase the monetary supply, to try and move away from the currency war uh, regime into um, back into trying to stimulate the, the real economy. And I think that this is really where uh, monetary policy is, is now orientated uh, in the ECB and some other central banks too. However, it's still extremely difficult to generate inflation and generate uh, growth in the, the current environment, meaning that interest rates are going to remain low for a very long time. How dull is FX at the moment? I mean, we have had enormous fun over, what, the last 18 months. We're going through incredibly, you know, as, as I was saying, an incredibly low volatility period, uh, very little price movement, very little price action. Uh, perhaps it's not a question of how dull it is, but how much longer do you think are we going to carry on like this? What's going to shift these parameters? Well, of course, there are risk events out there. There is the US election. There are a number of geopolitical events. And of course, in the in in the UK, Sterling, of course, has been anything but dull this <laughs> this year. And, we'll and, and, and I think that that's going to carry on being the case uh, next year. I think the yen, also another very interesting currency, we've seen an awful lot of stimulus. And for similar reasons, um, as, as the ECB, we've seen the Bank of Japan enable really to, to weaken that currency. And I, I think the US yield curve really is dictating a lot of the action in, in G10 foreign exchange. Unless we see higher yields or until we see higher yields in the US, 
well, we're going to be unable to envisage an awful lot of weakness on these other currencies. And it's also, of course, really the crux of the carry trade. As long as US yields are low, well, speculators and and traders are going to look elsewhere for carry. And this is why, of course, a number of um, emerging market currencies have also performed very well. Right, let's talk about the exciting bit. Brexit, <laughs> sterling, up to what, around 134. Uh, the, the apocalyptic warnings of, of Brexit are being um, pushed back by some recent economic data. It's it's caught a lot of economists and investors by surprise. Well, in, indeed. Well, f- well, first of all, of course, you know, that the Brexit event... The, the referendum result was not anticipated by the market. Hence, you have the big shock reaction. Um, but of course, the, the weakness of sterling, the big drop in sterling that we had is is in itself a, a huge amount of monetary stimulus. And we've seen this quite quickly in, in tourism and in, in some of the, the, the pickup um, in tourism in, in London uh, related to um, the, the drop in sterling. We've also seen it in manufacturing orders. So immediately the value of the pound has given a boost to the economy. Now also I wouldn't underestimate the impact that the Bank of England has said. Now, the oh, Bank he of deserves England, some credit then, I Mark I think Carney, he probably does, does deserve some credit. Now, because certainly claiming it. <laughs> he was definitely claiming it yesterday but I think he probably deserves a bit. Now he was up on his feet three times with Within days right. of of the event, um, his his comments were reassuring. Um, the bank were there providing liquidity. Now, in the event, not all of that liquidity was needed, but the fact was, the the fact that the Bank of England made it available in itself calmed nerves. Um, nobody for one minute thought that they weren't going to be able to access money their money from the bank, and and in a, in a way, the fact that nobody thought that no one came close to thinking that was because the bank had provided a huge amount of, of liquidity so I think he does deserve and, and cutting some rates is, is he is he claiming credit for for this economic um, progress because they cut rates did they, did that not happen too too much after the event well it, he promised that it would happen sometime that. in the summer Market pricing. so so he said that sometime in the summer there would be a policy reaction and and then of course come August the fourth he almost had to so cut he all rates. went out spending money to celebrate well you know whether or not whether or not it was the bank of england's um actions whether or not it was the sterling fall whether or not it was the good weather in july it's very difficult to to say and i would say combination of those factors and and a few more uh, helped support the economy now the interesting thing is is that the the boost the rebound if you like in, in confidence that we had after that initial dip the question is how can that sustain will it sustain through to the August data and beyond. Well, you know, we did have good weather in July after June. That was cited by a number of the retail surveys, including the official data for the strength of July sales. That, of course, its impact will peter out. We don't carry on buying summer clothing and footwear through August when we've already done that in July. So it is going to be interesting. I think there will be some pullback um, of the strength that we saw in July retail sales through to August. But I do think that what we really do need to watch are investors. How are investors taking? Because if we don't have investment, and, and don't forget, of course, that political uncertainty is, is detrimental to investment. Well, here's, here's my point. I mean, you're, I absolutely agree about in, in investment uh, being the key. And what investors will want to see is the fruits of these negotiations. Yes. Which are going to take forever. Precisely. They are going to take even longer than the Greek default Precisely. discussions take. How 
Will they make those decisions on investment? And more to the point, the market is going to surely take the same kind of who cares attitude towards these long-winded Brexit negotiations that they took to Greece. Well, it depends, unless we keep on getting bad news with respect to investment. Now, don't, don't forget, of course, investment is another word for saying employment growth. So if we're not getting the employment growth, we're not getting the the investment, uh, then that is a significant worry. Now, we had at the weekend um, the Japanese government issuing a letter um, saying that it, it was remarkable. But again, if you consider some of the big Japanese firms, and consider, for instance, Nissan, they build um, an awful lot of cars in the UK um, and 80%, I believe, of those are exported, no doubt. Nissan chose the UK for various reasons, probably labour market flexibility, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But with the uh, understanding that it would be able to import a lot of those cars back into the European sure. Union. I believe that the, the tariff, the EU tariff on cars coming into the EU from outside is it's close to 10%. It's but pretty is high. is Nissan going to pull out of Sunderland on the basis of negotiations, long-winded negotiations, which may or may not damage the UK economy and trade relations? I doubt. I, I, I clearly don't know. I doubt if we would have any news like that soon. However, the big question is, would it, in this environment, increase investment? In this environment, sure. So its political uncertainty can weigh on new investment going forward. Uh, it may mean that another uh, country becomes relatively more attractive, perhaps, if they are considering an expansion of investment. Or perhaps you could argue, well, sterling's fallen fifteen percent. That over that negates the ten percent tariff. So it, it's very difficult to work out. And this is why I think investment data going forward is really going to give us the, the proper clues as to to the UK economy medium term. Just finally, Jane, on sterling and and its movement, isn't it the case that, yes, it will be uh, UK economic data and UK investment data that will influence it? Yes, it will be Article 50 trade negotiations that will influence it. But the thing that's really going to influence it is the US economy and the dollar. Yes, for exactly the same reasons as I was suggesting with respect to the the ECB and the Bank of Japan, as long as the US yield curve is low, there is going to be a, a sluggish dollar and that potentially will make other currencies look relatively attractive. My thanks to Jane Foley at Rabobank. Keep up to date with all the FX news on the FT. Have a look at ft.com forward slash markets. We'll be back for the next instalment of Hard Currency, where we'll be discussing the run-up to the Bank of Japan and Federal Reserve meetings. Join us again next week. Goodbye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.